0: Pray for me as I pray for our message, Lord Jesus, today, may we discover what you want us to see, to learn, as we talk about another great passage, a great story in the Scriptures today. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. Acts chapter 16, we're continuing and finishing our series called Each One, and today it's The journey of each one. We're going to look at the Apostle Paul. We're going to look at the story of what's called the man from Macedonia. Now, I don't have any concrete historical evidence for at least one of the assumptions I'm going to make, but sometimes you can piece two and two together and walk away saying, that makes a lot of sense. And something dawned on me the other day as I was actually talking to our locust pastor, so I'm going to give him credit, Daniel Haskett, which, by the way, they've, they've seen 11 salvations in the past two weeks, some record-breaking attendance. And why does that matter? Why do we talk about attendance and numbers? Because numbers are souls. I, I honestly don't care how big the numbers get, but I care about each soul that comes. Amen? So when we say 11 salvations, we mean 11 souls that are no longer destined for hell. That's something to get excited about. And one of them walked in there and she was crying. I need to share this. She was crying the entire service. And one of the precious volunteers walked up to Pastor Daniel and said, hey, listen, this lady's been crying the whole time and, and, uh, you know, probably need to see if she's okay. So... His wife Ginger goes and talks to her and ends up leading her to Christ, talking to her for about 45 minutes. And it turns out she was in the Mormon faith for many years. So it, it had hurt her family so much that they had decided that they're not just going to be uh, non-religious, but they're going to be anti-religious. And she wandered into that little church in Locust and found Jesus, Amen. the real Jesus, not the Mormon Jesus. Amen. Amen. To God be the glory. Today we consider a specific interaction between the Apostle Paul and a jailer who was responsible for keeping him locked up for the sake of the gospel. The very man that was responsible for persecution of the Apostle Paul, Matthew chapter 5 verse 1, Jesus declares, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Today we see persecution in the name of Jesus. We will see miracles. We will see a supernatural leading of the Holy Spirit resulting in victory and in salvation of the lost one along with his entire household. In our story today, we want to connect this line that draws from the beginning to the end of the Macedonian call. I've really really enjoyed walking through the narratives of these stories. Today's points as you'll see come up on the screen and I felt a little bit sorry when I sent my sermon out to um the one who was responsible for printing these up he had to come back around and say hey listen I think I think you repeated these points and I said yes I did he said, oh on purpose I say yes oh okay but how many of you guys know that sometimes life is cyclical and I think we're going to see a cycle of God's goodness. But also, in the middle of that, the devil tried to get involved and try to throw everything for a loop. So, so, are you ready for this ride? Number one, divine direction, Acts chapter 16, verse 6. Scriptures will come up on the screens. If you like to follow along, I typically preach from the New Living Translation. Acts chapter 16, verse six says, next Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Then coming to the borders of Messiah, they headed north from the province of Bithynia. But again, the spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So instead, they went on through Messia to the seaport of Troas. That night, Paul had a vision. A A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. Number one. Divine direction. The first thing I want you to notice is that detours are a part of divine direction. Sometimes we feel like God only leads us in the affirmative, but sometimes God uses the closed door or the negative or the no to lead us in the right path. We get frustrated because we feel like, God, I wanted that job. And you said, anything I ask you in Jesus' name, you'll do. That's not what it says. It says, anything you ask the Father to do according to his purposes, in his name he will do. You see, we missed that part. It's his purposes, not yours. It's his life, not yours. When I say it's his life, Andrew's life is his life, not mine. And as soon as we understand that our life is for his glory, not our own, we start getting used to him saying no and yes. Amen? Divine detours. Part of divine direction. The Holy Spirit prevented and the Spirit of Jesus did not allow. Pastor Andrew, what in the world? Why did it say Holy Spirit and then Spirit of Jesus? Can I just tell you something? The Spirit of Jesus is the Holy Spirit. Jesus pulled back and sent the Holy Ghost. And now the Holy Spirit is the one that leads us, guides us, empowers us, fills us, anoints us. It is the Holy Spirit. That is the presence among the church today and the power among the church today. But we only have access and only can enjoy that anointing because it is Jesus that died and rose so we could have the Holy Spirit. You with me? The Holy Spirit prevented, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow. I did a deep dive into the word study of prevented and did not allow and listen, they mean the same thing. No means no. Don't go there. Do not go there. I wouldn't go there if I were you. I'm not going to let you go. It all is the same thing. Parents, you ever feel like you got to say different no's to get their attention? But it isn't until you say the whole name, Andrew Garrett Byrne. I said no. That scares some kids. It just emboldened me. Made me feel more important. (laughs) Listen, details are also important in divine direction. Look at the call. First of all, it was a person, it was a man. Second of all, it was a place, Macedonia. Third thing, it was a thing. Help us. How many of you guys have ever got caught up and got in trouble trying to help somebody? Don't want your help. I'm just here to help. Will you leave me alone? going to tell you something, God can use you to help those that need help, want help, ask for help. But at the end of the day, when they don't want help, need help, ask for help, you're just going to be hitting your head up against a wall. Because sometimes pride gets in the way of realizing we need somebody's help. This story, this narrative started with Paul and Silas. It was Paul and his friend. Sometimes we forget we need someone to walk alongside of us, no matter how important or anointed we may be or feel like we may be. The details are important because I need to go find this man. I need to go to this place, and I also need to go because they're asking for help. This preacher has had a lot of occasions where people have asked for help. This preacher has had a lot of occasions where people don't want help at all. One thing this preacher has learned is when they don't want help, it's easy for me to say, okay. I have tried and failed at letting go before. Can I tell you something? These hands open up a lot easier nowadays. I don't get white knuckles when people don't want my help. Why is he saying that? say this, don't ask for help if you don't need it, and you don't want it, and you don't mean it. Because sometimes we say, won't you help me? I'll give you an example. Pastor, I need some advice in approaching this loved one of mine. They're hard-headed. All right, tell me what's going on. Well, every time I tell them what to do, they get upset with me every time I try to tell them how it is and where they're wrong. They get upset with me. They say, "Okay, well, give me some examples." And then these examples begin to flow. I say, "Listen, man, I think you're wrong. Well, that's your opinion, you know, <laughs> right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> the details help us. Number two, divine provision. We we've heard it, we've preached it, we've said it, we." We celebrate it where God guides, he provides, and I believe that. God is guiding Paul to Macedonia in verse 11. We boarded the boat. By the way, let me remind you that right after they had the dream, they said they woke up. As soon as they woke up, they decided to leave for Macedonia at once. Last week, I think I said partial partial obedience is disobedience, but also delayed, delayed obedience is disobedience, right? Wash the dishes. I'll do it later. That's disobedience. Number two, divine provision. Verse 11. We boarded a boat to Troas and sailed straight across to the island of Samothrace. And the next day we landed in Neapolis. From there we reached Philippi, a major city in the district of where? Macedonia. And a Roman colony. And we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went a little way outside of, the city, uh, outside of the city to a riverbank where we thought people would be meeting for prayer. We sat down there to speak with some women who had gathered there. One of them was Lydia from Thyatira, a merchant of expensive purple cloth who worshiped God as she listened to us. She, uh, the Lord opened her heart and she accepted what Paul was saying. She was baptized along with the other members of her household and she asked us to be her guests. If you agree that I am a true believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my home. And she urged them until they agreed. Divine provision. They obeyed God. They set out and God opened the door. First of all, I see that they were in the right place. They could have never met this lady Lydia until they had got positioned in the right place. Many of us are fighting against God and he's trying to steer us and move us and put us in the right place and say, I don't want to go there. I want to stay here. Can we just submit ourselves and understand? Can I talk to church people for a minute? God owns the chessboard and all the pieces and we have seasons where we're to be at this place or at this house or at this house coming from a church planter there were people that came to the church back in 2012 for a season that helped us get to where God was calling us to be and now i look around and i've had many many meetings with people that say i just i don't want to be outside of god's will for my life i said listen follow the leading of the holy spirit And be okay with that, even if the people around you are not. Amen? Sometimes we get stuck. You know what the solution to getting stuck is? Move. If you stay in a seat too long, God's trying to send somebody else to that spot, and you're holding it. Bless God. I ain't moving. Because I'll tell you this, if the Holy Spirit moves upon you to go somewhere else, never. But seriously, if he calls you, obey. It ain't about me, it's about God. It's not about any church up and down 51, it's about where God is calling you. The sooner I learn that you aren't quote unquote mine, you're an instrument of the Lord the better it is for everybody, amen? The right place. They sailed to the region, they got in the right place. The second thing, they were there at the right time. Timing is always something that amazes me. They wandered down to this hillside because they thought people might be praying there, but it was the perfect time for this woman who was wealthy, who was a seller of purple. She was able to equip and to feed into the ministry. She was blessed because God wanted to use her to be a blessing. The right person, a woman of wealth who could supply for that need. Wealth in the physical and a great need that was there in the spiritual for Paul and for Silas, a place to stay, to set up their headquarters. Paul was able to lead her to Jesus to meet that spiritual need and God orchestrated all of this so Paul and Silas could have that physical mead met. Can I tell you something? As a Christian, money becomes spiritual. Everything within your life is now spiritual. We cannot compartmentalize and say, well, God doesn't want this or doesn't want that or "This this is an unspiritual part of my life. It's not. It's all submitted to him and him alone, amen? Anything we're hanging on to, we're gonna mess up anyway. The right reaction, Paul and Silas received God's help. Number three, we go into verse 16, demonic distraction. One day, as we were going, the scripture says, verse 16, going down to the place of prayer, we met a demon-possessed slave girl. She was a fortune teller who earned a lot of money for her masters, I want to stop there for just a moment and tell you the scriptures are really clear: Demon-possessed fortune- teller, connected. The new age stuff, the psychic hotline which that's not a thing anymore. until my age there. that's me with the rolled-down socks. <laughs> the horoscope. That you think is hitting the, the nail on the head, it, it's so vague. You could read any of them, it would, you would think it would hit the nail on the head. Get away, run from these things. The fortune teller is a demon possessed, demon empowered person, it's all garbage. And it's all set to distract you from what God's calling you to. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. Okay, she's saying the right thing. That's truth. tell you how to be saved. This went on day after day. I'm going to come back to that later, by the way. This went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to her t- said to the demon within her I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her and instantly it left her Paul was a seasoned spiritual warrior Don't go to the mall and start picking people off in the hallway Please, that's how Pentecostals get a bad name. I'm gonna pray for you. He's like, you're shaking in the Lord. No, you're shaking me, stop. Goodness. So I'll say that, but I'll also say this. Look at this book to know how to fight spiritual battles. Christians, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, dwells in me. Stop walking around defeated like you can't win. That thing in your life, in your house that's aggravating you, cast it out in Jesus' name. And then expect it to go. How many of you guys know? You have to have an expectation for the prayer of faith to be answered. Please, would you leave me alone, devil? I can't take it today the devil gets even more emboldened. I almost got him. I want, I want, I want the devil to be scared of y'all. All of us. The power of the Holy Ghost is something that we can walk in in authority demonic distractions, sometimes spiritually mature, still get frustrated. See, Paul was exasperated. It says it right here. He was frustrated. He was done. He was finished. Finito. I'm done with it. Believe this is a great example and a reminder how God chooses to use people in spite of our emotions and in spite of our frustrations. I'm not perfect, neither are you. Sometimes I make mistakes and so do you. And we can walk this out together, amen? You see, one of, the, one of the bad things, and what we're seeing is that it's happened so many times, and, it, and it's happened again. These churches that have become, quote-unquote, mega-churches and mega-ministries, they attach themselves too much to the leader, which, in essence, detaches from God. But it is the God of the leader that I want you to attach to. I am so... Ridiculously annoying to you. If you get around me enough, you need Jesus to hang out with me, okay? (laughs) So, this guy, I'm gonna go away someday. And I want, it is my prayer that this ministry carries on generation after generation, should the Lord tarry. That's my hope and my prayer that God would do something so much bigger than any of us that none of us can take credit, amen? You see, I see this kind of day where we're, we're all coming in here today and two services and all this. Yeah, it's awesome, I'm so thankful. I'm, I'm excited to be a part of it. You know what I see? I see God saying, watch what I can do with even this guy. Amen? Say amen, Mom. <laughs> that was your moment. You could have still, you could have run. You missed it. <laughs> Let me tell y'all how God has a way of humbling you. I'm sitting with my, my precious brother and my precious nephew, Wednesday night supper. <laughs> Stiles knew I was going to tell this story at some point. I might as well get it out of the way. This little guy, he's so sweet. First thing he says to me, you know, I know why West sings. And y'all don't. He's talking to his dad, too. So his dad was in this one. I said, oh, yeah, real? why is that? Because um, y'all can't sing. <laughs> Has nothing to do with being an effective preacher or anything like that. It's just you, you, you went to the second thing because you couldn't sing. And I'm like, oh, okay. Um, really? And, and then he said, yeah. And you and my dad sound alike. All right, I know where this is going, except, except, you know, when you talk, it sounds like this. I am not kidding, he did it, and he did it like twice. I said, what? He's gonna be in children's church until he's a senior in high school. I don't want him in here. No, I'm kidding, kidding. He's awesome. He's awesome. <laughs> oh, sometimes, second thing, under the demonic distraction, sometimes doing the right thing still brings suffering. Sometimes doing the right thing still brings suffering. Have you ever tried to help and ended up hurting a situation? Have you ever tried to take the high road and end up jumping off a cliff? This is an example here where Paul was doing the right thing, but it still brought suffering to him as we will see. The third thing is sometimes people don't really care about people. As we find out, reading through this, I don't have time, but the handlers of this young woman that knew she was demon-possessed because she was making a money by telling people fortunes didn't care about her at all. They only cared about the profit that they could get from her and after it was this is like human trafficking except in a different way as soon as they made their money on her they would discard her and trust me the devil would be all too happy to destroy her at the end of that demonic distraction number four we repeat number one divine direction in verse 23 we see now after all of this Paul and Silas find themselves in prison. In verse 23 it says, They were severely beaten and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. Wait a second. Divine direction right into prison? Yes. That, that doesn't sit well with many of us especially those of us that might have heard the, the latest preaching on all of the television shows that says, you know, God wants you to be wealthy and God wants you to be pain-free and God wants you to live in this Shangri-La type of area. I think, is that some kind of Vegas guy's house? Anyway, wants to live you in this paradise on earth kind of thing. And, 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 and that is not what Jesus said ever. He didn't ever say that. He said, in this life, you will have trouble. Why would he say something so mean? Because he also said, blessed are those that are persecuted for righteousness. How do you and I have freedom from sin? Because Jesus suffered. Paul looked at suffering in a completely different way. He said, when I suffer, I count it as a gain. I count it for Christ. I'm suffering as he suffered for him. We're all sitting here today, thankfully enjoying the worship together on the backside of this crazy time. But many of you, like me, felt like, at times, woe is us. This is such persecution. We may as well be in the Colosseum of the Roman government being eaten by lions. I don't want to wear a mask. I can't breathe in this thing. <laughs> Two masks. What? Two masks? I can't breathe with one mask. But here again, people in my profession got distracted from what this was and started getting all wrapped up in this political garbage You decide what you do. Jesus is still on the throne. I ain't scared. And it took me 45 days to get over it. But I'm not scared. Because he's still in charge. Amen? (laughs) I was going to ask y'all how many of y'all went out and got a bunch of those food kits lately. After the president said we're going to have some food shortages. But I won't make you raise your hand. But see me after because I need to know where I can go. <laughs> I got a couple places in queue. I got some family members that they're ready for me. Maybe you have better food. Anyway, back to it. Verse 23, 24, so the jailer put them into the inner dungeon, clamped their feet in stocks. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening They were praying and singing, and the other prisons were listening. God allowed them to be thrown in the inner dungeon where there were lost souls and lost people suffering. Why? So they could have choir practice in the pit, and everybody else would know that God is still God. The first time they heard Jesus is when these crazy evangelists got thrown into prison with them. Amen? Amen? It goes on, suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. Come on now. You see what God did for Paul and Silas, he also did for the other prisoners. God wants to put an anointing on you today. Who This ain't in my notes, so I know it's gonna be good. God wants to put an anointing on you today that what God does for you, he can do for others as long as you'll open up and share it with them, Amen. He wants to set you free so you can set others free by the power of his name. The only way that they will get free is if you open up your mouth. Paul and Silas didn't sit there and say, listen, oh my oh my No, I guarantee you, they sang like it was nobody's business. And then the building got Pentecost and shook. <laughs> Ooh, the story's good. The jailer woke up. Same jailer that threw him in there. Woke up to see the prison doors wide open. <gasps> he assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. Paul, and Paul shouted to him, stop. Don't kill yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Where did he find out that he could get saved from them? Oh, I'll tell you where. (laughs) That that demon-filled girl that was walking around town and yelling about it. Isn't it so amazing that the God that we serve takes the devil and twists what he meant for bad and turns it for good? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm telling you, I see, I see at the moment of the cross that the devils are celebrating, and I know I'm taking a lot of evangelistic liberty. Yay, we won. Who's that? Jesus. Thought y'all won. <laughs> Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. We forget sometimes that the girl is now set free. Where's she? Back home with her family, free of demonic possession. That's where she is. We forget about that, don't we? Hallelujah. Divine direction. There was pain, he was beaten for their for their ministry, there was praise. Praise was a witness and it was power in the jail to anyone listening. And then there was preaching. Here's what I believe the Macedonian man who called for help was the jailer that was saved that night. Could it be? I believe so. But not only that, friend, listen, he was saved. He said, believe on the Lord Jesus. Verse 31, you will be saved along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him. With all who lived in the household, even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. He brought them into his house and set a meal before them. I'm reminded of the passage that says he will set a table in the midst of my enemies. But here we have who was once an enemy now setting a table in front of Paul. He brought them into his house. He set a table before them. And he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. I'm ending with this number five, divine provision. Verse 34 through 40 lays it out. They get out they get free and then they go back to Lydia's house. I think that's pretty cool because it shows that full circle of provision. You know, that God had removed them and put them into prison and accomplished what he wanted to accomplish with them in the prison, set them free. And now they had a lady that was of means that could take care of them, give them resources, give them food, give them lodging, and send them on their way to the next assignment. Guys, God knows where you are today. And he knows where you need to be Tomorrow, And we, it's, it's about time that we stop looking at his provision in the past and forgetting about it altogether. This is why we have pictures that are in black and white on the wall in the lobby, because God did great things then, and he's doing great things now. We stand on the heritage of then and want to see greater things in the future. Amen. I am not one that says, oh, well, that was then and this is now. No, I'm saying that was then and this is now. And to God be the glory, they come together. And greater things he still will do in Greater Life Church. Lord Jesus, now, stir us up. Right now, show us who you're calling us to. To take this invite as we go into next month celebrating your resurrection. (laughs) Hallelujah. One life. Your life. And what it did to change the trajectory of history for all time. Anoint us. Embolden us. And make us ready to see you do greater things. Not just in this church but in our homes, in our workplaces, and in our families. And God, we promise here at Greater Life to remember to say thank you. We don't go by these moments and forget that it was you. We pause and say thank you. Because only you, only you could do the miraculous. In Jesus' name, amen.